Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Happy Palm Sunday, everybody. Come on, turn to somebody and scream at them. And just kidding. Turn to somebody and just say intently, Hosanna. <laughs> Come on, let's say it so loud that those watching online have to, have to cover their ears. Ready? One, two, three. Hosanna! Well, welcome, 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 welcome. And we want to welcome everyone watching online. We miss you today. And we're just so glad that everybody um, is joining us here and online. It's my privilege today to share another message with you from God's wonderful word. And as usual, if you would like to follow along the message, uh, there is an outline available for you, both through your Bible app digitally, right? Just go through your Bible app. If you say, I don't know how to do that, just ask somebody next to you and they'll show you, right? There, the, the message outline is on the Bible app digitally. And if you'd prefer a piece of paper, well, there's a printed version back there in the preaching outline box. Wow. Y está disponible en español también. Who's ready for the word today? Well, good. Because that's what we're going to get. This morning, we're continuing our 2021 prophetic theme multiply right acts chapter 6 verse 7 this is the verse we are memorizing and confessing and declaring throughout this year and not only are we memorizing it confessing it and declaring it but we're going to see it come to pass in our midst as well amen so let's read it all together then the word of god spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly acts 6 7. Now to practice it, get rid of it. Let's do that again. Then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. Give yourselves a hand for that. That's awesome. I see some of you have already memorized it. And the more we go through it together, it's so important not to just know what God's word says, but to get it in us. And not just to get it in our head, but to get it in our mouth because there's power in what we say. Amen. That's why we're memorizing and confessing the word. And all year long, our aim is to multiply the culture of Jesus through the words of Jesus. The culture or the values of the kingdom of God grow and multiply as the word grows, right? And so the more we get the word in us, the more the values of the kingdom of God, the more the culture of the kingdom of God will possess us. And the more then the disciples will be multiplied. So all year long we want to multiply the multiply the culture of Jesus through the words of Jesus. And one of the things we're doing for that is because we believe that it's when we get the words of Jesus in us, then the values and the culture gets multiplied through us. We're doing a lot of things, but one of the things we're doing is we're taking the gospel of Mark, okay, which is the most straightforward gospel of the four, okay? It's just straight to the point, okay? Jesus' words. And we're reading word for word 
through the Gospel of Mark. Okay, we've been doing that uh, off and on since January. Today we're going to continue with that. In fact, a few weeks ago when I had the privilege of sharing with you the last time, we read the, about the first half of Mark chapter 2. So, so far we've read all through Mark chapter 1 and the first half of Mark chapter 2. And, t- chapter two. and today what we're going to try to do, Lord willing and time permitting, is we're going to finish the rest of Mark chapter 2. How many of you think we can do that today? All right, we did the first half a few weeks ago. Today we're going to try to get through the second half of Mark chapter 2. But just very quickly before we pick up where we left off, the first 12 verses of Mark chapter 2, we learned about Jesus' value of souls. Very good. We learned about Jesus' value of souls. We read this story about these friends who had a, a, a friend who was um, paralyzed, right? And he, he couldn't walk. He was lame. And so they climbed up on the roof where Jesus was because they couldn't get through the crowd. And they opened up a hole in the roof. And they lowered him down right in front of Jesus. And we read this story about how Jesus does two things. He both forgives him and then he heals him, right? And so we learned that, that, that Jesus... <laughs> Value that possibly the, the greatest value of the gospel really is the value of souls. The, the very reason Jesus came was to save our soul, right? And so we learned with this acronym SOULS, S O U L S, about souls. Come on, we learned that if we're gonna, going to truly understand the value of slow, souls, S, we got to slow down. O, we got to open our heart. U, we need to understand eternity. L, we need to. And finally, S, we must speak. If we want souls to be one to the kingdom, we've got to speak. And we learned that disciples can only be made of souls that have been saved. And, you know, Jesus' call for all of us as his followers is to go make more followers, is to go make more disciples. But we can't make a disciple of someone who hasn't yet been saved. And so... The first big value we learn from Mark chapter 2 is the value of souls. Now, today I'm going to do something um, that I don't do every Sunday, okay? That I don't do every time uh, I preach. I do it sometimes, or it's almost always part of a message, okay? But the entire message for for the rest of the day is going to be totally expository preaching, okay? All we're going to do is we're going to take verse by verse... And then I'm going to pause, and then we're going to reveal the truth. Come on, tell somebody, it's got to be exposed. See, the secrets, Jesus said, Jesus said that there are secrets of the kingdom of God. Okay? But they're not secrets that he wants to keep. (laughs) They're secrets that he wants to reveal. And he told his disciples, to you it is permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom. But secrets aren't revealed just kind of like by osmosis, or it's not just like all of a sudden, ah, I got it. You've got to look into it, okay? We, we need to read the Word of God diligently and responsibly so that the truth can be what? Exposed to us, right? Because when we learn the truth and begin to walk in the truth, the truth sets us free, right? And so I'm going to try with all of my might to get through the rest of Mark chapter 2 expositorily today and as we do 
you're going to see, together we're going to see five more of Jesus' core values of the gospel, okay? So as we read it, I'm going to pause after each and every one of these values is exposed, and we're going to stop and we're going to take a look at it. Is that okay? Who's ready to dive into the rest of Mark chapter 2? All right, well... Go in your Bible or follow along on the screen. Um, If you're following along in your own Bible, that's fine. But on the screen, you're going to see the Amplified version. I feel like the Amplified is kind of a theme here this morning. (laughs) right? Remember that the Amplified helps us with the transliteration and the lexicons, okay? The the Amplified version helps us out uh, understanding words taken from Hebrew and Greek, in this case Greek, and what they really mean in English. That's why you get the brackets and the parentheses and the italics and all that kind of stuff in the Amplified. So we're reading through the whole book of Mark in the Amplified. Is that cool? Ready to pick up where we left off? Well, we left off at verse 12 of Mark chapter 2. So let's go to verse 13, and we'll go from there. Ready. Jesus went out again along the Galilean seashore, and all the people were coming to him. And he was what? Teaching him, okay? Jesus cast out demons. He healed the sick. He performed miracles. Another thing that Jesus did was that he taught, right? He taught the kingdom. He taught the truth. As he was passing by, he saw Levi, okay? Levi in Hebrew, Matthew in in English, but from Matthäus in Greek, right? So, that, that's why you get, why, why don't you say, why, did he, why was he Levi and Matthew? Because it was Hebrew and Greek, all right? So he saw Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax collector's booth. So Matthew was a, a tax collector. He was an IRS agent of the day. And let's just say he wasn't one of the good ones. He was a cheater, right? He stole by... By, and, and I'm expounding this on you because you can read more about it in the, in, in the other Gospels. But he stole pe- from people by collecting more taxes than they owed. How many of you would have wanted to be a friend of Matthew? Not many people liked Matthew. In fact, Matthew was very hated and despised by people. Okay? But Jesus thought it was okay to invite Matthew, who was despised by most... He looked to, he, he said to him, well, he actually passed in front of him and he said to him, what did he tell him? He told him, hey, Matthew, believe in me. Is that what he said? No, no, no. What did he say? Follow me. And this is what that entails. As my disciple, accepting me as your master and teacher and walking the same path of life that I walk. How many of you can know right now that that meant change for Matthew, right? He could not keep being a cheat if he was going to follow the same path of Jesus, okay? And Matthew got up and followed him. I love when Pastor Julian uh, preached to us a few weeks ago, and he played the video of the passion when Jesus called Matthew. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Matthew was like, me? Me? And then, and, and, and then the, the guy in charge was like, Matthew, you're going to give up all this money and, 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 and the, the, the status you have with the government to go follow Jesus? And what did Matthew say? He said, yes, right? <laughs> Jesus called him to follow, and Matthew said, 
Yes. It says he got up and followed him, becoming his disciple, and believing and trusting in him and following his example. Gospel core value. Remember, the culture of Jesus gets multiplied when we embrace the words of Jesus, right? And so we get the values of Jesus, the the values of the gospel by reading through his words. The first value we want to take a look at from verses 13 and 14 is this. The gospel demands we follow. The, The gospel demands more than just mere belief. So many Christians have reduced Christianity to mere belief, just believing in Jesus or believing the message of Jesus. But the gospel is so much more than just believing. And the the gospel demands that we more than just believe. The gospel demands we follow. I find it interesting that later on Jesus teaches about faith and believing in him, but that was never his first message. His first message was repent, enter into the kingdom, and come follow. In fact, if you read the Gospels and pay close attention, sometimes actually all of the disciples, for the most part, followed before they even believed. They weren't even sure what to believe yet, but they followed. People want to believe every... I guess we could say people want to understand. Sometimes we want to understand what we believe before we obey and follow. But if you've tried that, you may have realized it doesn't work that way. Sometimes we don't even totally understand what we believe until we do follow and obey. So the gospel demands we what? Follow. Follow. See, believing is only the first step. But if you're trying to go from Kennesaw to Midtown, the first step is to get on I-75 south. Right? If all you do is get on, but you don't take the next step or mile or 12 miles, however much it is to Midtown, will you get there? Now now listen. (laughs) There's going to be There's going to be traffic along the way. Most of the time, there's going to be a lot of traffic along the way. Yeah? There's going to be a certain exit you need to get off on. Yeah? Because if you don't, you're in trouble. Because there's a whole lot more traffic to get back. But how many Christians just take the first step? And all they do is believe. And then they wonder... Why, we wonder why we never get there. You know, we put so much trust in Siri or, 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 or Google, Google Map Lady or whoever it is that you follow to go where you're going. 
because we actually believe that Siri can get me to Midtown, right? If I follow that voice, if I follow those instructions, even around traffic jams and accidents and road closures and stuff, eventually she'll get me there, won't she? How about we try to do that with Jesus and his word? But let me tell you one thing. If I don't follow his instructions, I will not get there. I won't. If all I do is believe, but I don't follow, I won't make it. Come on, tell your neighbor, the gospel demands you follow True Christianity is going with Jesus his way. True Christianity, true discipleship is going with Jesus his way. Because when we go with Jesus, you may have found out if you've tried this too, that he doesn't necessarily go with our suggested way. He knows the way. In fact, he is the way, right? There's no other way to the Father and there's no other way to follow than Jesus. The gospel demands we follow if we want to make it. We've got to walk. Just taking the first step won't get us there. We've got to walk. We've got to follow. And Jesus said later on that the gospel really only works if we abandon our own way to go his way, right? The gospel demands we follow. Man, that, I could, we could just go the rest of the day, but who's ready for the next verse? Let's go on. I believe this is verse 15, but uh, here we go. And it happened that Jesus was reclining at the table of Levi's house. So, so Jesus didn't only invite Matthew to follow, he went to his house, okay? And many tax collectors and sinners, including non-observant Jews, okay, so... Many unreligious people and people that were known, they had a reputation of being bad, all right? They were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many of them, and they were following him. Who was following Jesus? People that you probably wouldn't expect it, right? When the scribes belonging to the sect of the Pharisees, so ultra, extra religious people, okay? When the scribes, they said that they were part of the Pharisees, saw that Jesus was eating with the sinners, including non-observant Jews and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Gospel core value number two. The gospel is for all kinds of people. Don't protect yourself from what I'm about to say, all right? Because when something hurts, we tend to like force field, you know? Yeah. Do the WandaVision thing, you know, like... Can't get in here to me. Don't protect yourself what I'm about to say, all right? Because we want the values of Jesus, not our own, right? 
The gospel is for all kinds of people, not just people who are like you. I found that the gospel is for all types of people, not just people who are my type of people. The gospel isn't just for people who are like me. The gospel isn't just for Jews. The gospel isn't just for white people. The gospel isn't just for black people. The gospel isn't just for brown people. The gospel isn't just for Asian people. In fact, it's for every kind of person, even the type of people that you've never met or come into contact with. The gospel isn't just for people who have a culture like yours, who like to eat what you eat and go where you go and watch what you watch and listen what you listen to. The gospel isn't just for people who like your, like your same type of music. The gospel isn't just for people who vote like I do. The gospel is for people who vote like I do, for people who vote differently than I am, for people who choose not to vote. The gospel is for all kinds of people. I told you not to protect yourself from what I was about to say. I felt a little, little bit of a force field begin to go up. The gospel isn't just for the poor. The gospel isn't just for the rich. The gospel isn't for what a lot of people think, for just the, like the middle class who just have like nice families and like white picket fences and dogs. The gospel did not start in the United States of America and it is definitely not just for Americans. In fact, there is no such thing as an American gospel. American gospel is false gospel, okay? If we've interjected our Americanism into the gospel, we've mixed two things that should never be mixed. Is it bad to be a patriot? No, by all means be a patriot. God bless America, right? I'm proud to be an American and I will always be, and I've lived in a foreign country. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I have to submit my Americanism to the kingdomism, okay? The gospel is for people who might be very different from you. Let, let me tell you th this, because I've seen Christians try to do this. The gospel is for people who will never be like you. Never. Now, I'm not talking about sin, okay? I'm not talking, the, the, everything, every, just, every, let's just all get along and everything's permissible and we can all do whatever we want. No, 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 no. You know that I don't believe that and I don't preach that, okay? And if you don't know it, come for a few weeks and you'll know it, okay? You know we don't believe that here. But the gospel touches and changes every type of person. Listen, we can see in this that the gospel isn't even for people who might have the exact same morals and values as us. Because the Jews were mad that Jesus was spending time with tax collectors and sinners and Jews who weren't very good at their religion. Okay? The gospel is for all types of people. Unfortunately, these Jews, these Pharisees, didn't understand it. And so many Christians don't understand this. Come on, can I just be, I, like I haven't been, but can I just be extra raw, like to the bone? I've watched Christians here, 
right here, even in this church, Okay, deactivate the force field. Get rid of it. Throw it out the door, all right? I've watched Christians, even some of us, start a friendship with somebody because we think they're going to become like us. And then when they don't become like us, end of that friendship. When discipleship was never about them making them like us, it was about making them like Jesus. We will rub off on each other, but listen, I don't expect you to have my culture. I expect you to have Jesus' culture. Come on. I don't expect you to change what you like to eat because I like to eat Mexican food. If all you want is fried livers and gizzards and gravy and... I'll go, I'll go there too, okay? But... can hang with some chitlins I'm being facetious but you guys know what I'm saying if you if you I'll be your friend as long as you're willing to adapt your perspective on parenting and make it like mine but if you don't begin to parent the way I expect you to parent we're not going to be friends any longer and you won't say it you'll just do it you won't say I'm not your friend you'll just exit Listen, we see this in this story and we see it in story after story after story of the gospel, right? Listen, I can speak from personal experience. I was a missionary for eight years in another nation, in Mexico. I had to completely adapt my culture to another culture. Ask, ask, ask Mr. Don Puckett. He's been a missionary before. Ask others who've been on mission trips and done missions. Listen, the gospel doesn't necessarily change your culture. The gospel just gives you a totally new spiritual culture. Jesus, again and again, intentionally connected with people who were different than he. Tax collectors were not like Jesus. <laughs> Non-observant Jews were not like Jesus. He was the fulfillment of the law itself. Come on, somebody. He intentionally went and connected with people who were different from him. And the result of it was they changed. But they didn't all come become like each other. They became like him. I love Encounter Church. I love this church. Different shades, colors, languages, cultures, likes, dislikes, perspectives. But we're all becoming like Jesus, right? I hope so. But all of that to say, people change when they follow Jesus. What I'm not saying is everybody come to Jesus and just stay the same. What I am saying is 
we all come to Jesus and that changes us and that makes us family. Not that we become like each other, but that we become like Jesus together, that makes us family. Not that we trade our cultures and, 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 and different values and languages and foods and perspectives to all be the same, but we do all embrace a common culture, the kingdom culture that we see in the Bible, right? That makes us family. That brings this impossible thing that our nation is facing right now called unity. Let me tell you, unity is impossible unless it's supernatural. Because we're always going to be very different from each other. But there is one common thing that we can join in on. That can, the Bible says it's the unity of the Spirit. And that is we believe the Word of God. We embrace the Word of God. We follow the same Jesus. We, we, we accept His same values. We're trying to live it out together. And that unites us. The gospel is for all types of people. How about we just go on with the next verse? <laughs> Are we ready? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, because what did they say? Why, why, do you, why, why is he eating with those bad people over there? Jesus heard, he said to them, those who are healthy have no need of a physician, but only those who are sick, Right? I've never met anyone who just like voluntarily is like, today I'm just going to the ER, <laughs> right? I'm just going to go see my doctor. Good luck with that. He'll give you an appointment next year, right? <laughs> if you're not sick, you don't just go to the doctor. And Jesus understood this. He said, the healthy have no need of a doctor, of a physician, but only those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous. And many other translations say this, those who think they're righteous. And the, 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 the weight that this word carries is self-righteous. I did not come to call those who are self-righteous, those who think they are righteous, but sinners who recognize their sin and humbly seek forgiveness. Another translation, I believe, the NLT says, those who know they are sinners and need forgiveness. Number three, the gospel only works for people who repent. It only works when we repent. The gospel will not work if I'm not willing to repent. It won't. It'll just be a religious message. The gospel only works as in produces results if I repent, right? People look at, say, hear the word repent and they automatically feel like something negative, like repent, because sometimes it's been viewed that way because it's been preached that way. Repent, you know, like, like I'm up here, you're down there. Repent. No, 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 no. Repent is a loving invitation to stop going that way because that's going to lead you to destruction. There's a better way. Come on. Turn around. Leave that way behind. There's a new way. And that's the only way the gospel message will actually work is when we repent. 
The gospel can only produce results when we recognize our need for God's forgiveness. The gospel can only produce results when we recognize our need for change. If you think you're good or have it all together, the gospel won't really do much for you. And I've met people, I've met many, many people who, you know, they like church and they like, but they don't recognize their need to actually change. And so they're just, the gospel doesn't really do anything to them. I don't know about you, but I need forgiveness. The first half of Mark, remember? Before Jesus healed the paralyzed man, what did he do? He said, your sins are forgiven because our greatest need is forgiveness. But if I don't realize that, the gospel's not going to do much for me. Listen, if you think you're good without Jesus, then you're going to be without Jesus. Yeah. If I think I'm good without changing, without repenting, without asking forgiveness, without changing my ways, then there's no way I'm going to be able to go Jesus' way because naturally we don't go Jesus' way. See, this is why I think a lot of people who consider themselves good folks, I mean, there's a lot of good folks in the house, right? You guys are some pretty good people. But our good, our good compared to actual goodness, the goodness of God, is bad. (laughs) I don't mean to be vulgar, but I think it's in Isaiah. The Bible says our good works are as good as menstrual cloths. Yuck, right? And all the ladies went, eh, right? Even Jesus, when they were like, good teacher, he's like, why are you calling me good? Unless you recognize I'm God, right? Only God is good. The gospel doesn't do anything for us if we don't recognize our need to change, to repent. If I'm unwilling to change, in other words, my way is good. We call that what? Kwame preached about it a couple of weeks ago. We call it, what, what is it when I think my way is fine and I don't need to change? Pride, right? Pride. I'm fine. I don't need to change. I'm good, okay? The gospel will be ineffective for a person like that. Even for someone who, quote, unquote, believes. But if I'm willing to pursue change, we call that the opposite of pride? Humility, right? If I'm willing to seek and pursue change, and not just once, but more and more, because if you follow Jesus one day, you realize it doesn't all get done in a day. It doesn't all get done in a month. It doesn't all change in a year. The more you go his way, it's more of an abandoning my way. So repentance isn't a one-time event. It's a way of life, right? Repentance is I continually and progressively abandon my own way to go his way, right? 
That's the only way the gospel actually works. Okay? Who wants to continue? Are we ready? Come on, I really want to finish the chapter, so i got to keep going. All right. Now John's disciples, the next, the next verse. Now John's disciples um, and the Pharisees were fasting. What John? John the Baptist, all right? John the Baptist, okay? So his disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. I love where it says here, as a ritual. So it's just something they did to go through the motions, right? It wasn't like necessarily the kind of fasting that we do, right? The, it just says it was, they were just doing it because it, it must have been just fasting day. I don't know. Maybe it was every Tuesday. Maybe this was on a Tuesday, and today was the day they fasted, right? So they were fasting. How do we know they were fasting? How do we know? I mean, how do we know they were fasting? Obviously, they said it. <laughs> Jesus said something about fasting. We're not supposed to go out and what? Just publicize it. So obviously this was just a I'm religious and better than you kind of thing, right? Okay? So as a ritual, they were fasting. And they came and asked Jesus, why are John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fasting, but your disciples aren't doing it, aren't doing so? Why don't y'all do it like us? Why aren't your people like our people? There's only one way to do it. Why aren't you doing it like us? We don't have anybody like that here. And Jesus answered, the groomsmen or the attendants of the bridegroom can't fast while the bridegroom is still with them, can they? Would it be okay for there to be a big wedding reception and you'd be like, no, I'm not eating today? In this culture, listen, this is very important. In the Jewish culture, in the Hebrew culture, it was the responsibility of the groomsmen to entertain the groom until the wedding uh, ceremony. That was what they had to do. They had to do, like, bachelor's parties and, you know, you can modernize it if you want. But it was their, they were expected to entertain the groom. So, of course, they couldn't be fasting, right, if they were supposed to be partying. That doesn't have much to do with the, the value here, but I thought you might want to know that. All right. <laughs> as long as they have the, 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 the groom with them, they can't fast, but the days will come when the bridegroom is forcefully taken from them, and they'll fast at that time, okay? Because we do, Christians, we do fast, right? Okay. Here's the, here's the value. No one. No one sews a patch of new unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it. Why? What, what happens when you got new cloth and you wash it and dry it? What happens? It shrinks. So if you put, try to put something new, a new piece of cloth on an old cloth to patch it up, eventually what's going to happen? It shrinks, and it says here, the tear becomes worse. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the fermenting or the expanding, right, 
of the wine will expand and burst the skins, and the loss the wine is lost as well as the wine skins. But the new wine must be put into new wineskins. What value is Jesus revealing here? There's a whole lot to this. I could share so many different messages on this right here, and we have. We've taught this, and there's so much rich truth in this. But the main value, the core gospel value here is this. The gospel is greater than religion. Okay? The gospel is greater than religion. Say, so what do I mean? The gospel isn't just some new ingredient to spice up your life. But how often is the gospel treated that way? Oh, that'll make my life better. Living my best life now. Right? Because now I got the gospel. My life used to be boring and now it's exciting. I don't know what kind of gospel you got. Because <laughs> it does become exciting, but it becomes way more than exciting. Right? The gospel is more than just some ginger or black pepper or curry to spice up your life. The gospel makes an entirely new recipe. Oh, come on. Let me, let, me, let me just say it a little more bluntly. The gospel doesn't fix. It replaces. The gospel was never meant to just come and patch up and fix your old way of life. So that you can slide safe into heaven hallelujah mm -mm. no 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 because if we use the gospel to just try to patch up the areas of our life that are broken that gospel will begin to shrink and grow in other words it will begin to demand change in our life and if we don't change with it it will tear us to pieces why do people Start following Jesus, but end up not following Jesus. Why do people begin to follow Jesus and backslide? Why is there even a such thing as somebody who says, I used to be a Christian, but now I'm not? Because if all the gospel is to us is a religion, it won't spice up my life. It'll ruin my life. The gospel doesn't fix, it replaces. The gospel doesn't patch up our old life with something new. The gospel replaces our old life with a brand new life. When you come to Jesus, it's not like, here's my life that I'm going to keep on living, Jesus. Fix it, Jesus. Fix it, Jesus. The gospel says, here I am. You were crucified in my place you carried my sin, you carried my guilt and my shame. I am crucified with you. I abandon my old life to receive a brand new life. It's the new wineskin. It's a totally new garment. It's not let me patch up 
my torn up britches. It's a whole new pair of pants, y'all. The gospel gives us a new life. In fact, let me just end this one with this. Religion tries to educate the flesh to be good. That's what religion does. Religion is just trying to educate our flesh to be good. The gospel kills the flesh and gives us a totally new power, spiritual power over the flesh. Let that, let that sink in today. If your gospel, if my gospel is just trying to make bad me better me, I need to take a look at what gospel I got. Because the real gospel kills those things in me that need to die and then gives me a totally new power over it. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. Jesus did not tell Nicodemus, believe in me and I'll fix your life. He said, you got to be born again. You need to start over a brand new life. And that's the power of the gospel. If you are here today and you haven't received a brand new life, today, believe the gospel. Make a decision to follow Jesus. Repent of your sin. Turn away from your own way and believe in him and embrace his way and begin to go with Jesus. You'll be saved. You'll get a brand new life. And that life is life eternal forever and ever and ever. Come on, before we get to the last thing right here, tell your neighbor, the gospel won't fix you. It'll kill you and replace you the gospel come on tell somebody else the gospel won't fix your old life it'll give you a new life all right we need to finish up we need to finish up because i have run out of time let's read the last few verses one sabbath jesus was walking along with his disciples through the grain fields and as they went along his disciples began picking the heads of grains the pharisees said to him look why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, uh, have you never read? You, you, you obviously not, must not be doing your DBR, right? You obviously aren't reading your, your Bible. That would be 2021 Jesus. I could tell you hadn't read your Bible. Yeah. Haven't you read the scriptures? What David did when he was in need and was hungry, and he and his companions, and how he went to the house of God at the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the sacred bread, which is not lawful for anyone but the priest to eat, and how he also gave it to the men who were with him. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. For centuries, their people had had the law, and they didn't understand it. They, they did not understand it. They just didn't get it. They couldn't fulfill it, and they misunderstood it. And then because they couldn't fulfill it and they misunderstood it, they made up a bunch of stuff. Religion, that's what we do, right? 
When, when, when we don't understand it and we're not, we're not living it, we just make up other stuff to try to explain away why we can't do what the word says, right? Yeah. And Jesus is like, obviously you don't understand the word. The Sabbath, you weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you, right? The, the, the Sabbath was made to be a blessing to you. So the Son of Man is Lord, the Son of Man referring to himself, even of the Sabbath, and he has authority over it. All right. Number five, the gospel brings God's word to life. The gospel fulfilled God's law. The law was impossible to follow until Jesus fulfilled its purpose. What was the purpose of the law? What's the purpose of the law, the Old Testament law? I don't mean the speed limit, y'all. What is the purpose of the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments, and all the law of Moses and Leviticus and all that, okay? To show us what? How bad we are, basically, right? The whole purpose of the law was never for us to be able to fulfill it so that we can be perfect before God. The purpose of the law was because God knows what we're like, but we needed to know what we're like, right? So he gave us the law to show us we don't live up to his standards. So the law was impossible to fulfill. And in fact, the Bible says that there was a veil over the people's eyes and they couldn't even understand it. They could not even understand it when they read it. That's why these guys had an issue with the Sabbath thing. They, they had read it, but they hadn't understood it. Okay. Jesus fulfilled its purpose by coming and actually perfectly fulfilling the law itself, okay, so that when he died on the cross, he would be a perfect sacrifice for our sin. He fulfilled the law for all of us lawbreakers. Yeah? Old Testament law. I mean, how many of you have ever been there? You're like trying to read the Old Testament and you're like, Lord, what? You said what? They did what? The Old Testament law is impossible to understand without the light of the gospel. See, all of the Old Testament is in complete darkness without the light of Jesus shining on it. You can't understand the Old Testament without understanding the new. We could never totally grasp the Old Covenant without embracing the New Covenant. I know these might be big words, but let me just say it simple. Jesus didn't only bring understanding about the Sabbath. Jesus is the understanding of the whole law. When we see Jesus, we see God's perfect law on display. The fulfillment of God's perfect law. That's why now I can read the, under, uh, the, the Old Testament and I can understand a lot more of it because Jesus, the gospel brings, poof, it turns the light on. When you see, when you, when you know Jesus, you will see him throughout the entire Bible. You can go to Genesis chapter one and you'll see Jesus. You, listen, I just read Job again. Jesus, help me. Jesus is in Job, y'all. 
I'm reading through Leviticus right now about all the skin diseases and bodily discharges. And guess who's there? Jesus. He's there. We can't understand. Listen, do you want to understand the word of God? Then you've got to know the word, Jesus. Jesus brings light and life to God's word. As we learn to know Jesus, we will learn to understand all of God's word. The gospel, we finished Mark 2, y'all. The gospel demands that we follow. The gospel is for what type of people? All kinds of people. The gospel only works for those who repent. The gospel is greater than religion. And the gospel brings God's word to life. Listen, I'm almost done. And I just want to ask right now as we get ready to close. It's very easy at the end of a service to get distracted and get up and down and go in. Your kids will be fine a few more minutes, okay? I think your bladder might also be fine for a few more minutes. All right, let's try. Listen, the gospel is power. It's more than a message. It's more than a church. It's more than a style of music. The gospel is just more than reading words in the Bible. The gospel is even more than just believing. The gospel is power. It's powerful. Look at what Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Have you embraced the gospel? Have you, listen, have you, maybe you need to even just take the first step and believe. Have you believed the gospel? Have you believed that God came in the form of a man, lived a perfect life, fulfilled the perfect law of God, and then died as a criminal in your place? To pay the penalty for your sins so that you could be forgiven. And then rose from the dead and he conquered sin and he conquered hell and he conquered the grave. And then he ascended back to the Father to make a place for us with God the Father. Have you believed that? If you haven't, believe it today. Or maybe you said, I believe, but today I realize I didn't... I, I didn't really understand what I believed. And so this is where I want to go with this. I'm going to make a couple of of calls, opportunities for you to respond to God's word today. Respond to what the Holy Spirit is picking to your heart. But the first one is this. Have you believed and decided to follow Jesus? Listen, not just have you believed and said a prayer, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, I accept Him as my Savior and Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. That's good. That's great. But that's not the gospel. Have you made a conscious decision to repent, to turn away from your own way, 
from sin, right? To believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and rose from the grave. And you've decided now to follow him and go his way. That's how we get born again. Have you been born again? Every time we get to this moment in the service, I don't want to just rush through it because I know the Holy Spirit is dealing with hearts. In fact, would you just take a moment and close your eyes? Block out every distraction and forget about what anybody else might think of you. This is a decision you have to personally make. Yes, eventually there will be such a change in your life that everybody will know about it. But you've got to make the decision personally first. Have you repented of your sins? Ask God's forgiveness and decided to follow Jesus. Have you been born again? Have you received a new life? Not have you prayed a prayer to fix your life. Have you received a brand new life? If you would like to make that decision today, right now with everybody's eyes closed because I want this to be personal. Do you need to decide today to follow Jesus? If that's you, would you just pop your hand, one hand up and down real quick. I just wanna know who you are. If today you need to be born again, you wanna surrender your life to Jesus, okay? Just pop your hand up and down and say, that's me. Here's the other thing I hear the Holy Spirit is really speaking to us today. Some of us have treated the gospel more as just something to believe rather than someone to follow. And today he's calling us to repentance. some of us that know very specifically some things in our life that do not please God and the Lord is giving you this loving invitation today to repent at the same time there's a warning if you persist in your own way if you persist in your sin you'll end up not following Jesus for long. And I just sense that warning so strong in my spirit. The Bible says to take heed, take heed of ourselves and the way we live, lest we fall. And I just hear and feel the Holy Spirit saying, warning, 
warning. If you don't take heed and repent of that, one day you'll be someone who says, I used to follow Jesus. Please don't let that be you. So one, if you need to be born again. Two, if you need to respond to that invitation to repent. There's some of us that need to really respond in, in repentance actually to understanding that the gospel is for all types of people because maybe we haven't, maybe we have rejected certain types of people because they aren't like us. And the Lord is softening our hearts today. He's giving us love and compassion for all the different types of people that He's calling us to reach. And today, I feel like some of us just need to make a decision. I'm going to intentionally connect with people that those that are like me and those that aren't like me so that I can show them the way to God. I know this is a lot. One final thing. Some of you have been using the gospel as a patch. Rather than repenting and allowing the Word of God to kill sin in your life and replace it, whether it's an attitude, an addiction, whatever. You've just been using the gospel to try to fix yourself. And the Lord says today, I don't want to fix you. I don't want to fix that. I want to replace that. I want to make you a brand new you. As the worship team leads us, for a couple of minutes we're going to just draw near to the Lord and if you need to respond to any of those things rather it's to surrender your life to Jesus and be born again to repent because you've really just been believing but you haven't been following for repent for not having an open heart to different types of people. Or to repent for using the gospel as a patch rather than a replacement. The Holy Spirit is here today. And I just believe that as we respond to Him, as we respond to His Word, the power, the presence, the anointing of God is here to move and change you because the gospel is power. The gospel is power. Come on, as we begin to just draw near to the Lord, let's all stand to our feet. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.